The time has come to get ready for the 2022 World Cup. And what better way to prepare than by revisiting the World Cup's most amazing goals? I'm Brian Phillips. I'm making a podcast about the history of the Men's World Cup, told through the stories of 22 iconic goals. The show's called 22 Goals. It's out now on the Ringer Podcast Network, and we're having so much fun. This episode of the Ringer F1 show is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Mobile One. The Mobile One brand knows podcasts are a great escape. You can listen to people talking about living and maybe even driving, but of course, there's no substitute for the real thing. So the next time you're looking for an escape, try an actual escape. Take this podcast for a ride in the car and immerse yourself in the drive. Because sometimes the best way to escape reality is to truly live in it. Mobile One, for the love of driving. Visit loveofdriving.us slash the ringer to learn more. It is the Ringer F1 show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Kevin Clark. Great show today. Julia Lindman joined. She just went to Mexico City. We recapped her first race in person, her insights, talked a little bit about Las Vegas, what we saw from social media over the past week, where they basically debuted what it was going to look like. But first, we're going to go around the grid, a little fast car with Megan Schuster. Megan, hello. Hi, Kevin. How are you? What's going on? Are you excited for the last two races? Sad? A little bit of like vitamin C graduation here? What, what What's the feeling? <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit, uh, in the middle, I guess. Like last year, it felt like there was so much tension ramping up and now I've had a lot of time to reflect on this season. I feel like I've had <laughs> a lot of time to, to process all the goings on. And yeah, I'm, I'm sad that we're closing in on, you know, a few months without formula one. What are we going to do with all of our time? It's really, you start to feel it when you realize this is probably Latifi's last two races <laughs> and you just wonder. That's when you it really hits you. What the grid's going to look like next year? We're going to sort of look at it. It's like you know, it's 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 like when Brady leaves. Mm-hmm. Like you just mm-hmm. you wonder. I mean, what this, Sundays this are going to look like. This is the year of of star athletes retiring. You know, Serena, mm-hmm. Federer, Latifi. It's Latifi. it's all all on the table. It's sad, sad to see. So we're we're just going to go through like five news items real quick. This hasn't been a particularly newsy week um in in formula one um i think that obviously things will heat up again certainly after the season um with with rumors and all that stuff uh but first impressions of Interlagos and 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 what you're looking for this weekend yeah so a couple interesting things it's you know obviously the third and final sprint race of the year and we're going to get six of those next year so this is gonna oh, great. kind of be a yeah right Ma- max verstappen in particular is is thrilled about this um so it, it's going to be interesting to kind of see how it goes. I think the first two this year were relatively interesting, and it seems like drivers were kind of okay with those because they were on tracks where, you know, passing is doable, where overtakes are, you know, maybe higher than they are in Brazil. Um, but it'll be, it'll be interesting to see Max is kind of looking to extend his records, maybe get a 15th win this season, which would be interesting. 
Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how Ferrari does this weekend mm-hmm. um, with all of the kind of altitude issues they had in Mexico. <laughs> Obviously, Brazil is not as high up there as Mexico City, but this is also kind of a higher altitude track and they you know, really need to do well this week if they want to hold on to the 40 point lead they have over Mercedes. So that'll be a very, very curious this weekend. I'm also watching the Mercedes Ferrari battle. It feels like Ferrari is so stagnant and the fact they can't deal with the altitude when even like their clients, their engine clients can deal with it better like that. Right. Figure it out, boys, figure it out, (laughs) fellas. Okay. And for me, I'm intrigued. I keep seeing these quotes from Mercedes, whether it's George Russell, whether it's Toto Wolf, who's been as specific as possible, whether it's Mike Elliott, where they're saying we're eight to 10 months behind in the development cycle. And obviously, Toto came out a couple of weeks ago in the post-race and said, we ran ran it too close to the deck. Um, That set us back the entire season. And now I'm even seeing reports that because of all of these factors and because of the fact they're still going to finish third or second in the Constructors' Championship, they may not have this fixed until the second half of 2023. And when I say mm-hmm. fixed, I, don't, I, I mean competing with Red Bull. There's a mm-hmm. lot of, I wouldn't call it negativity because they think they're going to get it figured out, but there's a lot of like, hold on here. We're not going to be ready for, for March 2023 to start competing with Red Bull. So it's something to watch. But I just want Ferrari to show me literally anything. <laughs> Because Mercedes is charging and has figured this out. Mm-hmm. And Ferrari seems to have gone, well, we had, it's like the Indianapolis Colts hanging a banner for AFC finalist. You know, <laughs> right, like that's right. Ferrari's high watermark was the six months that they looked like they had the, the uh, one of the fastest cars on the grid. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like there's a second act for them. And making adjustments, and the first episode Spanners was ever on this show. And he'll be on Sunday and, and the following Sunday as well, by the way. He said, we got to take everything Ferrari does with a grain of salt because they're, they're always notoriously not making the adjustments. Whatever it is, it's a cultural thing within that team that they say, all right, we're good here. And like, there have been so many, and I've gone through it ad nauseum over the, the interviews and the people who've come in to quote unquote save it, and they tell you why that is. And it ju- I just... Show me that you can fight back, Ferrari, and it starts this weekend. I mean, it would certainly be nice if it looked like they were trying, right? Like, <laughs> I I think that's been the biggest thing for me is it's like, you know, this season has shown just how important car development, not just over the off season and, you know, looking into the next season, but within season two, like you, me, Ryan Hun, and Erica, our producer, yeah did a draft like very, very early on in the season where we had to pick a car, two drivers, a team principal, and like a miscellaneous item. And I had the first overall picked and I picked the Ferrari car because at the time it was like, that was like a no brainer number one overall pick. And now you look back on it and it's like, man, that was tough. Very, very tough. And it just shows that they have a lot to figure out and and a lot of kind of confidence to try and restore within the team and also with their fan base because they're, they're getting kind of like boat raced in the second half of the season. And it's, it's really weird. Taking Ferrari first overall, it's, it was like Andrew Luck where the idea was good, but he was <laughs> failed by everybody yes. else around him. 
Yes. We've yes. Done, I've done my last NFL analogy for the podcast. All right. Uh, <laughs> speaking of Mercedes, one quick one before we get into some of these news items. Stuffel Van Dorn has moved to Aston Martin as a, as a reserve driver. Do a little Brenwin tourist here. Now, why is that? <laughs> get your fingers up. <laughs> why would Stuffel Van Dorn go from Mercedes to Aston Martin? Is it because Aston Martin has a better opportunity maybe in the future for a drive? I don't think so. Is it because Mercedes asked him to move? That could be possible. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people around the grid are asking, what's going on with Mercedes, Meg? I think so too. And I think there have been some rumblings, some um, inklings, if you will, that we may be seeing a familiar F1 face in the Mercedes uh, reserve lineup next mm-hmm. year. Someone who uh, considers himself, you know, kind of a Texan these days, which is thrilling for all of us Americans. Uh, Danny Rick sounds like he might be in the mix there. And and now, you know, there's been lots of caution, lots of this is not decided, lots of, uh, you know, kind of tiptoeing around the subject by Danny, by Toto Wolf, by everyone involved. But it would certainly be exciting to see him in the mix and to see him not, you know, have to leave F1 altogether for a full year. And obviously this is a great team for him to be in meetings with, in, you know, yep. everyday lineups with, you know, talking to Lewis, talking to George, being in on Toto's radar consistently. I, I think this would be a really great move for him. It's a hard team to break into, obviously, if that's, if that's the goal. That's not the goal. Being a Mercedes right. driver is not the goal. The goal is be at Formula One every weekend, mm-hmm. hop on the mic when you need to, and I, spoiler alert, he will. Like that's, yeah. I think we yeah. can, I, th- I think we can safely say he will hop on the mic mm-hmm. and go really fast when he's in a car. Yes. And he doesn't need to take test drives with Alpine or any of these teams, okay? He needs to be in a Mercedes going really fast and being really relevant because you have no idea. We, we've done like three different versions of what to expect in 2023 this year. And at every single mark, we had a different idea of what the driver market was going to look like. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the idea, I think sometimes we, even like, I think in May we did like a, well, there's not going to be that much driver movement. There's not going to be any seats open. Everybody's kind of settled. And that didn't, that didn't end up happening. And, and, and things did shake up. And even like there were people saying that there were people saying Daniel Ricardo's contract was ironclad. And right. then he was definitely going right. to have a seat. There were people saying Pierre Gasly had no choice, but Helmut Marco <laughs> was saying, he's, where's he going to go? Where's he going to go? It's like when Hal Steinbrenner's, or it's like when, uh, I guess it was one of the Steinbrenner kids was like, where's Derek G going to go? Cincinnati? And it's like, okay, <laughs> he still plays for you. This is weird. Um, but no, it's, it's, I, there's more uncertainty every year than we anticipate. And so if Daniel Rick is looking good in the Mercedes. He's definitely in the mix for for 2024. Um, and I think, you know, Scott Mitchell, mom, when he was on the show a couple weeks ago, said he's going to have to lower his standards. I tend to agree with that. But on the mm-hmm. other hand, you never know. A fast Daniel Ricardo and the, the sponsorship he brings. One of the things that Zach Brown is really good at is making money. And and he's good at a lot of things. But, you know, he gave that interview a couple months ago on, I think it was Beyond the Grid, where he was talking about how basically he was a pretty mediocre driver and somebody was like, you're really good at the sponsorship thing, just do the sponsorship thing, right? Mm -hmm. And 
He knows the value of Daniel Ricardo. Like, I, if, if Daniel Ricardo was a little bit better, he'd want to keep them around. And it's almost, we talk about pay drivers all the time. Like, the opposite of that is someone who just brings with them tons of investment just by mm-hmm. nature of being famous and people right. wanting to be involved with them. And that's Danny Rick. So I think the bar is lower for 2024 if Danny Rick looks good in a Mercedes. I, I would agree. And, and I also think that, like, Anytime you get an F1 driver away from the grid, I think there's a chance that their abilities get a bit romanticized. Like if, if mm-hmm. you just look at some of the 100%. like the Haas rumors this year, it sounds like Nico Hulkenberg may be making a return for them next year. And like Nico Hulkenberg is not as good as Daniel Ricardo and does not have the same track record as Daniel Ricardo. Like, you know, Kevin Magnuson obviously already had a relationship with Haas, but he was brought back this year kind of, mm-hmm. I mean, in the wake of very specific circumstances, but still like, I think these names will always stay in people's minds and especially with him being on the grid so consistently, if Mm -hmm. this kind of reserve driver position happens and being in those conversations, I I think it's really easy to just not forget about him and to have him in the back of your mind if you're thinking about changing up your lineup for 2024. So I think it would be a really great move for him and, you know, kind of an easy thing for Mercedes. All right, let's get to the news. Shocker. Red Bull has ended their boycott of Sky. <laughs> Christian Horner can talk all he will. Do you think Christian Horner will do double the interviews this weekend in Brazil? He'll be like, I'm yeah. sorry, guys. I, I, I feel so bad about not being able to talk 11 times. I'm going to talk 22 times this week. I think after this weekend, Sky Sports may issue a boycott of Christian Horner because of, <laughs> because of how much he's going to want to talk. He... <laughs> Yeah, he's got he's got a lot of words, a lot of words to get to get out there this weekend for sure. I I All can't right. wait. So the news is that Billy McGinty um, from Sky Sports will head to Milton Keynes to apologize. But I don't. Whatever. I mean, like they're they're ending it. I I, I get that. Um, mm-hmm. And that the um, they met the uh, Sky Sports managing director Jonathan Light and McGinty contacted Red Bull after Mexico. Both sides are willing to move on and that um, I guess Christian Horner will meet with Ted Kravitz for a conversation. Yeah, no Mm. kidding. (laughs) I think one of my favorite parts of this is the fact that like Checo just never really boycotted Sky Sports. Like when they were in Vegas this week, he was talking to Sky Sports and George was even kind of making fun of them at one of the press conferences being like, I don't know if Checo is willing to speak to you. And he just kind of did like it it was it was very much like, you know, Christian kind of felt like must have felt like he had to back Max up a little bit. But, you know, Checo is so able to kind of fly under the radar with that stuff. That was just great. This reminds they're going to end like. Media boycotts are hard when the person is really into talking to the media. And like, <laughs> yeah. I actually have a funny story. I said, I said I was going to be done with NFL analogies, but a couple of years ago, um, Josh Norman was, was mad at me over something I wrote and he had a press conference, uh, at commander's training camp where he announced he was no longer going to speak to the media because he, he was mad at me. And all I did was print an interview. Like it was, totally nails and then mm-hmm. in that in the course of that he gave the the media like 30 minutes and just started talking <laughs> about whatever and everybody was like so this media boycott lasted like one sentence and right. then he just gave a press conference right I, I think it's one of those things where like the word boycott carries a lot of weight especially when it comes yeah. to headlines but like there is very rarely much follow-through on that kind of thing all right still uh, incredible stuff 
So we'll 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 see more Red Bull this weekend. Thank God. We were all mm-hmm. we were all wondering. Um, next news item: Brad Pitt left Aston Martin stressed with a very <laughs> long visit to garage. That is the headline here on Planet F1. So he was at Circuit of the Americas, and boy, um, he was everywhere to the point that. And it's funny because there were a couple of people like that at Miami too, where it's like, man, these guys like bad bunny showed up for like two hours, got in and out, <laughs> took a bunch of photos and was done. Right. Mm-hmm. James Corden was around a lot. Yeah. Um, David Beckham was around a lot. Uh, Michelle Obama surprisingly around quite a bit. <laughs> um, and, but you'd never get the sense that they're intruding. Like Michael Bauman mm-hmm. was in Miami and he said, um, he, he joked that, that David Beckham was running for mayor of the paddock and, and, and mm. needed to, to win re-election. That's why he's, he's going <laughs> into every single team and just shaking hands. But I never got the, the sense that anybody was overstaying their welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, but it sounds like, according to Mike Crack, Brad Pitt, who is making a movie about Formula One, maybe stayed a little too long. This The quote from Crack is, they were with us for a very long time, much longer than expected. To be honest, it, even through our schedule off, we were a bit stressed then. He did say that the producers of the movie that Brad Pitt is making uh, are very serious and professional. Lawrence Stroll, by the way, is involved with production of this. Um, and that they hope, he says, my Crack says, that they they hope that uh, they, can, they can help further. Uh, mm-hmm. Brad Pitt, tough F1 hang? I'm just trying to imagine ever in my life looking at Brad Pitt and saying, I'm so sorry, but you've really overstayed your welcome and I'm going to need you to leave. Like, even in a work context, like I really can't imagine that, especially if you're Aston Martin. Like, take all the press you can get by having Brad Pitt in there. The rest of your season has been a bit of a train wreck. Like, why not have, you know, some fun energy in in the paddock and get to talk about... uh, you know, making the the F1 version of Top Gun, which is what this movie is seeming to be billed as. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe he did some things that rubbed some people the wrong way. I, w- I would be really curious to hear kind of the specifics of this and what all they were asking about. They already made a racing Top Gun. It's called Days of Thunder, and it's perfect. If you want to <laughs> reboot Days of Thunder as a miniseries, that's mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying, We've already made the movie. It's perfect. <laughs> Brad Pitt, we, get your own corner. <laughs> we don't need another one. Thanks for We thanks could do for Days playing. of Thunder with Tom Cruise and Miles Teller and Glenn Powell. Yeah, I'm down. I could do that. Sign me up. Those I three, I, I would watch those three do just about anything. Um, Great crew. Lando, or sorry, uh, uh, Miles and Glenn, Slow News Day alums. Great guys. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Glenn Powell could not have been more into Slow News Day or The Ringer in general. I would he's, not be surprised if Glenn is like has listened to this this particular podcast. I know he's watched Slow News Day. I this one. He's a he's big Ringer fan. I, I think he's a watch fan. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, just just he is one that seems like a great hang, contrary to maybe Brad Pitt, Glenn Powell. When incredible Glenn hang. Powell, when Glenn Powell was on Slow News Day, Bill texted. I don't remember if it was me or one of the members of the crew. Um, and he said, hey, Glenn is there. Can you ask Glenn what rewatchables he'd want to do? <gasps> and 
the question, this was right before the pandemic. So everything got mm-hmm. screwed up after that. Mm-hmm. And we asked Glenn, and maybe David Laura asked Glenn, and it was like Glenn Powell had spent a decade one, like thinking about this question. Like he was so <laughs> into it. He, I, I don't forget, I actually forget what he said. It's on David Laura's phone somewhere. But like wow. he, uh, trust me, he, he thought about it. Like in the same way, like all of us were kind of like, what would we do if we won the Powerball right. the other day? Right. The, the $2 billion Powerball. Like what, mm-hmm. where would we move? What house would we buy? Glenn Powell was like, what if I was on the rewatchables one time? Here's my top five within the top five. Here's how I would power rank them. Yeah. Yeah. Here's my two parter. Here's what the the two parter (laughs) I do. Um, All right. Max Verstappen comes out and says, F1 should just stick to the main race on Sunday. Lando Norris backs him up on the sprint race question. Um, I think what's interesting, and I was reading some of this stuff and some of the reaction. All of these drivers grew up with a certain cadence to the weekend. Mm-hmm. They don't want anything changed. Also argue, I saw some of these arguments this week that sprint races are kind of boring. And like they don't haven't had the action that maybe we've thought necessarily. Where do you stand on this? And do you think the drivers coming out against this will matter at all in the long run? I think I would be more willing to see the driver's point of view if their primary argument wasn't just like, I grew up watching F1 and they never did this. Like it's, it seems like Max and Lando's like primary point against this was like, this isn't how, you know, people in the past did it, which I just Mm -hmm. don't think is a good enough reason to not do it. Now, some of their other more specific critiques I get, like, I think one of Max's big things was we just have to make sure that we're picking tracks where it's fun and interesting. Like, you know, you're not going to pick Monaco for a a sprint race because it's incredibly hard to pass. And so there's really no point. Like you have to be incredibly intentional with where you're scheduling these. And for that, I, I definitely agree with it. And I hope that's something F1 is like, has taken into consideration when they're trying to expand this to six sprint races next year. Um, I don't always find them the most interesting, but I'm willing to give F1 kind of the benefit of the doubt in trying this again next year. And and I'm I'm hoping that they find a way to make this like a really engaging part of the weekend. Cause I, I think if they succeed in that, this is going to be a lot more fun. I don't know how you fix it. I, I think, I think I really do like the old, the old cadence and also competitively. Like there's people in F1. I don't think changing the rules of the competition is a good idea without a ton of notice. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the idea that now that they're, they're going to double the amount of sprint races, I don't know, at some point it just changes changes the race. Um, mm-hmm. It changes the sport. And I just don't, I don't like that. I understand why they're kind of saying, hey, I grew up with this. This is what I love. Because they haven't, as you said, they haven't given them a compelling reason to embrace it. You're mm-hmm. going to stick with right. the default Unless you're like, oh, there were four epic sprint races this year. Of mm-hmm. course, we're going to do them next year. Like, when have you, has there been a sprint race where you're like, oh, hell yeah, I want more of this? You're kind of more like, I, what, I, I locked in for this. Like, right. I didn't, I didn't drink a Heineken light because I needed <laughs> to lock in for this on a Saturday afternoon. Right. And, and I do think one potential reason for that, and this is something kind of both Max and Lando echoed, is like, you know, one of your primary goals in a sprint race is to make it to Sunday. Like you can't crash out your car. You can't have any kind of like contact that might threaten 
you getting actual like real race points on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And so I think that is one of the issues that can make this a little bit less competitive too, is because you're not maybe racing as hard as you normally would. Um, and so that is another thing that they would should maybe take into consideration. But, um, I, I agree with you. I think that they need to make this a more like primary and important part of the weekend. Otherwise, why, why do it? All right. Last item. And th- these are actually linked. Uh, there's two headlines here. Nicholas Latifi tells Beyond the Grid he does not see a way back onto the F1 grid. Um, so he's literally beyond the grid. Uh, he says, he <laughs> says, brutally and honestly, I just don't see a way back. On the other hand, Daniel Ricciardo uh, goes on a podcasting with Tom Segueras this week and says, basically, the pay drivers who reach Formula One are very good drivers, which I think does get lost. I mean, I think that they get mm-hmm. certain... We've, we make fun of pay drivers on here. We certainly make fun of Nicholas Latifi. Um, but they do have, in most cases, some results. Not everybody is, is Mazepin. Um, and also, by the way, Mazepin makes Latifi look like, like Michael Schumacher. Um, <laughs> but I think the idea that um, you know Latifi knows this is, this is the end for him. It's good. It's healthy. There are people who are in F1 who know Latifi certainly more than us. I've never met the guy. Who say that he's a wonderful guy, great dude. And I think that having him out of a seat, um, Mm -hmm. but involved in the sport, I'm good with it. I mean, he could be in media. He could do whatever. I mean, we've seen Jolene Palmer is one of my favorite um, F1 pundits uh, on on the BBC and and F1 TV and all that stuff. He's a guy who had a ton of advantages. His dad uh, owned one of the biggest tracks in Europe. Um, It wasn't, you know, this, but, but on the other hand, he understood he understood wheel. Um, mm-hmm. He gets it. He got out of a, <laughs> a, a car pretty quickly in his life. Um, didn't keep his F1 drive and, and was able to contribute more than that. And I just think that, um, you know, Latifi, I don't think he should be dismissed as a joke uh, off the grid. Um, obviously, his driving time was extremely bad. We've made fun of him a ton. But this is the last two races, and maybe he'll stick around. Yeah, I mean, I hope he finds some you know, relative success in his last two races, it would be, be nice to see him go out that way. Um, I, I do find it interesting that he's kind of closed himself off to even a reserve driver role, which, you know, you would think maybe could suit him going forward. Um, Mm -hmm. it, yeah, it's interesting that like to see Dan, Danny Rick kind of accept that role and Latifi reject it. And, And I think that has to do more with like how they see it as a path forward. Like I, I think like you said, Latifi sees himself as like, this was kind of it. This was the last run. And so why am I taking a reserve driver job if I don't feel like it's going to turn into anything, which makes sense. Um, but I agree with you. I think he and like Lance Stroll and some of those other guys get a bad rap for the way that they've maybe gotten onto the grid and don't get as much credit for what they do when they're on the grid. And like, I think Lance Stroll is like a, a pretty talented driver. I would love to see him in a car that is maybe uh, a little bit better than the one that his father has given him over the last few years. It'll wow. certainly be interesting to Whose see. Whose fault him. is that? Yeah, right. It'll certainly be interesting to see him go head to head with Fernando Alonso next year. I think that'll be kind of a truer test of where his skills lie than, you know, going up against a Seb- Sebastian Vettel who maybe has one foot out the door, but um, yeah, I, I hope Latifi has a good last couple of races and I hope he goes out in a good way. We make fun of pay drivers all the time. So I feel obligated, like just judge Stroll and Latifi and some of those guys as like, you know, 
Is it is it the 20 best drivers in the world in the F1 grid? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Is it the 10 best? Probably. And then five of the best sons of billionaires. And they yep. can be their own little <laughs> class. And I don't think a true pay driver is ever going to compete in modern, modern F1. Like, I don't think we're ever going to... Lance Stroll, they can do all the car upgrades they want. They're never going to compete with the with the works team. Um, and so, like, it's the, there's a reality of F1, which is a lot of these teams need that investment. That's how it goes. I would love a world in which we progress beyond pay drivers. I would love it. I would love merit. Um, I don't think it will ever happen. I don't mm-hmm. think it will ever happen. And Ricardo's point in this interview, which I found fascinating, was like, you're already spending thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars just to go karting. You know? Right. And, and he made the point. It's like the equipment stuff. I played youth hockey growing up. No big deal. And <laughs> like the barrier for entry to that especially in Florida where there's no, you can't just go to play mm-hmm. to get sports and buy elbow pads um, or you buy roller hockey elbow pads, which come on, bunch of <laughs> mission, that brand. Um, are they still in business? Um, but I'm sure. Like you had to spend a thousand bucks just to get on the ice. Right. You know, between the skates and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so every sport has a barrier for entry. F1s at the junior level is really, really, really expensive. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be really hard to get it on true merit. And, and the same, golf is like this too, where it's an extremely exclusionary sport because it's just hard to get on the course. Um, it's hugely frustrating. And I'm hoping that we progress beyond pay drivers, but that doesn't mean we should, um, you know, kick Latifi out of, uh, out of our, our, you know, our Twitter feeds. He can stick around as a <laughs> pundit. He can stick around as, as whatever. He can do his own thing. He can start a podcast network. I don't care. I wish him all the success in the world, but uh, you know, the less paid drivers, frankly, the better. Yeah. Two things can definitely be true here. Like you're saying, the concept of paid drivers is not great and and shows, you know, kind of like the highest level of F1, um, you know, how exclusionary it can be. And like, you know, Nicholas Latifi can be a good person who doesn't deserve to have you know, the skills that he does have kind of tossed aside because of the reasons that he's on the grid. So I, I think you're right in those points. And yeah, it would be really nice to see a world in which we just always have the 20 best drivers. But um, until that happens, uh, yeah, I, I wish him nothing but the best. He's welcome to buy me out. <laughs> what if there's a pay podcast seat? And with Man. no explanation, this time next March, it's just... Welcome to the Ringer F1 show. I'm Nicholas Latifi. We never explain anything. I'm just gone. <laughs> I'm in Tahiti. I'm just saying it's open. And I don't, and I wouldn't communicate that to the bosses. I would just be like, I don't know. I think Latifi's got it. Here's his number. I'll see you guys later. And it's <laughs> You're like, on why a boat in Greece. Yeah. Not answering on, Bill's calls. Why is he on Hawaiian time? <laughs> I don't, I, what, why, is, why does Slack say that? Um, all right. <laughs> Megan Schuster. We'll see you soon, pal. Yeah. Thanks, Kevin. This episode is brought to you by Mobile One. The Mobile One brand knows podcasts are a great escape. You can listen to people talking about living and maybe even driving, but of course, there's no substitute for the real thing. So the next time you're looking for an escape, try an actual escape. Take this podcast for a ride in the car and immerse yourself in the drive, because sometimes the best way to escape reality is to truly live in it. Mobile One, for the love of driving. Visit loveofdriving.us slash the ringer to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Armorall. When you want the best for your car, preparation is everything. 
That's why teams like Oracle Red Bull Racing use Armorall to prep their team vehicles. From interior cleaning and protectant wipes to car wash and wheel and tire cleaner, Armorall, America's number one trusted auto appearance brand, has what it takes to keep the two-time defending champions looking their best inside and out. And get this, now through May 31st, you can get $5 back when you spend $20 prepping your car like the Oracle Red Bull Racing Team. All you have to do is upload your receipt to Armorall's website after you buy. Visit armorall.com for program details and redemption. Terms apply. Armorall, chosen by champions. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, Julia Littman from The Ringer. She's in Los Angeles right now. She woke up early. I feel bad about making you wake up this early. Are you on East Coast time still? Of course. I never leave East Coast time. That's the point. I'm always, <laughs> as I get older, I just like, I'd like to be home as much as possible. So I just try to stay on East Coast time. I feel like that's what F1 drivers do too. Like when we had Pierre Gasly on the show, he was like, never unpack, never adjust, just pretend that's- you're home all the time. That's the Mark Wahlberg way of life. Uh, Mark Wahlberg wakes up at the same time wherever he is. It's one of my favorite facts about Mark Wahlberg. Do you know Mark Wahlberg also sprints through golf courses and makes people who are in front of him move over as if it was (laughs) a presidential motorcade? Have you watched Wall Street on HBO Max? I have not. Should I? Oh my God. Yes. Watch it. (laughs) It's W-A-H-L. Do they have that? Do they they have the golf thing? No, but they have Mark oh. Wahlberg converting um, hotel rooms into like really intense gyms wherever he is. And it's about his, it's ostensibly about his business endeavors, but it's just like Mark Wahlberg made a TV show about himself. It's one of my favorite pandemic watches. I really I have to it. watch this. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. after, after the last two races, I'll have more free time. The Wahlberg uh, golf thing is that he has people like two holes in front who have to, who like let people know Mark Wahlberg is coming through as if it were literal secret service. And then I guess the expectation is you're supposed to, to move off. Um, but I, I, I would not move off for Mark Wahlberg. What the hell is this? I'm not mandated. <laughs> That's crazy. That. I didn't know that about, I didn't know that about, uh, the sprinting, but I'm not surprised. Yeah. The Gasly thing is interesting. Um, I, I, I can't, you know, just, I'm sure we're going to get into it. I don't understand the logistics of formula one having now seen it up close. I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so blown away by it for every single person involved. Um, I've got questions and I'm just in awe. We have, uh, oh, we've gotten a lot of requests for a logistics episode, getting an either a current or ex-logistics um, person on from F1 on the show. We will do that at some point, especially awesome. maybe in December when we have, when we have um, just more time to do that kind of stuff. I will say this. The one thing that surprised me in talking to people in Miami was how many different items they have for different regions. And what I mean by that is like, 
someone was telling me that like the the tables and chairs in the paddock for meetings and and stuff that's non-essential they're not going i think the next race after miami was barcelona they're not going to barcelona <laughs> those chairs those chairs are going to montreal not. and the european chairs nice. will go to barcelona so it's way more thought out there's a lot more need for like like you know d- different sets of things and different like it is the most fascinating thing in the world cuz i every little thing that's there in the paddock feels like a miracle to me it's uh, it's unbelievable um i will say like one of my personal highlights of attending the mexico city grand prix was like sitting outside on the patio of like the formula yeah. 1 hospitality like i be- i've been calling them houses like i'm like the mercedes house the f1 house like i'm like is that the stewards house anyway Sitting on the patio of the Formula One, like, hospitality room or whatever, like, just, like, watching shit and drinking um, champagne, well, Ferrari Trento and um, coffee was, like, just a highlight of, like, just, like, taking it all in. And I know that's, like, super lame, but it's true. (laughs) It's fine. I feel like this is probably a controversial take. The most basic stuff of Formula One is actually the best. The more experimental you get. The 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 less fun it's going to be. All right, it's kind so of you- it's kind of like Lewis. Like his best look is wearing like trendy denim with his Mercedes white T shirt. Like that's just his best look. Keep it for, keep it simple, Lewis. All right. So the reason you're on this episode is you went to Mexico City <laughs> for the Grand Prix. Uh, you are a fan of I think three years. This was the first time you'd seen yeah. a race in person. I'm so excited for you to have gone through it. Um, Thank Brian Russo was also there. You guys ran into each other. Uh, I I did not go um, due to just recovering five sports um, and other things, other life events. Um, and so I, I wish I was there. It would have been a, a great crew. But we, I live vicariously Next through time, you Kevin. and Ryan. Um, See you in 2023. Uh, first impressions. I mean, I had such a blast. I, I mean, I don't even know where to begin. I, I will say, like, probably first impressions, the love for Checo in Mexico City. Yeah is unbelievable. I had been to Mexico uh, like nine months ago and I was in Mexico City and like when I saw I saw like his Walmart sponsorship on a bus, I was like, oh, right. Like I, I knew he was really popular and really famous in Mexico. But um, the absolute adoration and excitement about him is just, was just like absolutely wild. His father was like all around. Um, I, I was really fixated on seeing Carlos Slim. And so like I, just because I was in Mexico and I thought that okay. would be funny. Uh, and I was like, did you? Checos? No, but he, I believe he's okay. at the race. I saw him on the, I think I saw him in pictures. I'm um, sure. Yeah. Um, when I first saw Checos' father, I was like, oh, is that Carlos Slim? I was like, oh no, it's Checos' father. But anyway, that that was sort of, I think that's like the main headline outside of Daniel Ricardo's like actual race. Um, that's like the main headline from, from the Mexico City Grand Prix is just like, he his celebrity is is unparalleled. Like I didn't even like see a, a sign for for a soccer player, and like Checo is everywhere. Every endorsement, Mexico City. It's it's crazy. I mean, I honestly I feel like the closest new American parallel in a way is Peyton Manning at like mm. the peak of Peyton Peyton Manning's uh, fame, and he's kind of like doing his second act now with Omaha and the Manning cast. But like the way that Peyton had so many endorsements, and I think was just like he is like king in tennessee and was so beloved in indianapolis like i feel like that's kind of the closest and they're they're both allegedly family men why i I just need to go back to this carlos slim thing like brad pitt was in the paddock (laughs) and you were just like i need the mexican billionaire i need to see him because he's in he's an investor in the new york times like what, what what is that um carlos slim has like this wild museum in mexico city i mean carlos slim is just like 
I don't know. He's an international magnate, and I, that's like a lot more interesting to me than Brad Pitt. It's, so it's uh, Meg and I, Meg and I got into this, but Aston Martin hinted that maybe Brad there was too much Brad Pitt. That maybe he was um, hanging around a little too much. Did you get those vibes? Well, he, he, I mean, he was in Austin, right? And mm-hmm. he wasn't. In, he wasn't in Mexico, so I, I, I didn't see it up close. I do. I did feel like there was a Brad Pitt hangover um, when Martin Brundle talked to a literal stranger on the grid at Mexico City, being like, "I don't know who you are, but I'm going to talk to you." Like we did and, that in Miami she, too. She and she said to him, "I love you, Brad." She was like, you know, razzing him, but Brad Pitt but was Team Martin Brundle. Um, yeah, I I do think we're at an interesting celebrity moment with. Um, with Formula One, I was happy that at, in Mexico, there was only like a few American celebrities. There were or like international ones that I recognized. There was Scooter Braun, who was just behind the scenes because his mm-hmm. client Martin Garrix performed. Will I Am, Am was there, friends with Lewis. Um, and that might have been it, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I was like happy about that because I was just like, so much of what was so fun about the spectacle of it is the international aspect of just like mm-hmm. really posh people wearing casual clothes, but like doing a fancy thing. Um, also, and then matched with, you know, hundreds of thousands of local fans who look forward to this one event every year. And, uh, you know, it, I, it just like, it, it's interesting. I'm curious to see next year, uh, what the Miami scene is like. And like, does Vegas yeah. cut into the star power of Miami? Probably not. But, um, I have to say like, Vegas is obviously going to be an incredible spectacle. And, uh, you know, just even uh, last week's kickoff party was, like, pretty wild. But that actually is, like, less exciting to me than, like, going to, like, the Canadian Grand Prix. Like, I'd love to go to Montreal. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Did you learn anything about the sport just watching the cars live? I mean, you know, the dirty little secret, one of the reasons I don't love to go, frankly, I like to – I view it almost – it's almost like – I never been to Coachella, but like it's almost like Coachella a little bit, where it's like yeah. it's this huge festival, and it's like oh, this person's over there, this person's over there, and you almost it's impossible to follow everything, and you kind of have to stay at a corner and just admire it, and then watch the rest on TV. And I was able to luckily watch some of the race from the ESPN. Um, setup, which wasn't even that actually that advantageous, but there, at least was, there was a corner where I could just stand and watch it a little bit. But even that, I could only be there for like 10 minutes because I needed to go, you know, I was doing podcasts, I was doing writing and all that stuff. Um, it's hard to follow, but the power of it, like up close, is really something special. So, what were your takeaways from that? Um, I think being at a corner is the best place to watch because they have to slow down. Yeah. Um, so, you, also, obviously, the opportunity from the most action. It's like if you're on a straight, like, you know, you have the opportunity to see someone like overtake. But I think being at a corner is definitely the best spot. Um, One thing about athletes, and I think this is really interesting with Formula One, is like when you see them up close, you realize that they're doing a job. And I think that Mm -hmm. one thing about Formula One that is much more apparent in person is how like everyone has a role and everyone um, is doing like a specific thing, even the drivers. And, you know it's kind of like, I think a joke that like Lewis always thanks the men and the women back in the factory and the entire team, but it does put it into perspective, like how important I I think seeing it up close, it puts into perspective that it actually is a team sport. And though, though the drivers are the famous ones and everything, it is absolutely like, you know, a hundred person endeavor. And I think that actually like for new fans who came through it, came through to drive survive, Mm -hmm. that's actually like really not 
apparent. But when you go to a race and you start really following the sport week to week, it's actually a lot more clear um, how how much it is a team sport. That's a great point. And it's interesting because obviously cars are complicated and any any car sport, there's going to be a lot of teamwork. But you think about when Matt Summerfield came on the show on, I think, the first episode we ever talked about anything other than Drive to Survive last March, he said that if you're studying Formula One, it's actually more advantageous to study airplanes, right? Yeah. And it's all, it, it, there's actually more more carryover from that than, say, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of carryover to, to, to any sort of supercar, but, but an, an airplane backgrounds are advantageous. And you think about all the things that go into that sort of teamwork and the safety element of it and how one little bolt can determine so much with yeah. not only the speed, but also the safety of it. Like, it really is astounding when you see even... Like the night before, I don't know how much time you spend around the paddock, but or, or and and sort of the pit lane walk. But even the night before, where it's just like you know they're putting some random guy in in the seat just to figure out the weights, and they're going forward and backwards, and just like the little minutia for every single team. And it's funny because we talked about the attention to detail from Mercedes and Red Bull, not the attention to detail from Ferrari. But like, and then you look at like. <laughs> Haas, Aston Martin, you know, some of the, the, the also rans and they're doing the same stuff. And you just realize the little differences between the top and the bottom. And it's just astounding to be around it. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. Um, and you know, the other thing that's just like pretty remarkable is watching, um, a pit stop up close. Those yes. are, those are even faster in person. Um, and, also a lot more casual. I, I think that's like just the other thing about sports on TV versus sports in, in person. And this is true for all of them, but particularly uh, Formula One is like everything is just a, is a lot more regimented and therefore casual. Like there's not a lot left of a chance. Um, and that's why and that's why ultimately like the drivers are the fulcrum. I mean, for a lot of reasons, but like what what's left of, ch- of the chance for the most part is like their performance. Uh, and that is true again of most sports. I don't know. I love sports, Kevin. What can I say? <laughs> can you, so everybody said the Mexico city was wild and the fans are really loud. And there was this wall of noise, especially when Checo was celebrating his podium. Um, what was that like? Uh, what, what exactly happened? And can you compare it crowd noise wise to anything you've ever been a part of in an American sport? I cannot. I don't okay. think, I think probably the parallels would come from soccer. Um, mm. Mostly based on sheer numbers. I mean, you know, it's the craziest thing that happened fan wise is that at the end of the race, Martin Garrix came out and performed and the track went from being a track to like standing room only. And it was just like a GA concert. And I don't know how it was allowed, but, but the fans who had been in the stands, like just like flooded the track. And that was always mm-hmm. the plan. Um, that I guess that's like what they do. And <laughs> it, was, it was wild. I have to say, like, I found it slightly terrifying because it was the day after the horrible tragedy in Seoul. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I hope everyone's okay. Um, but like just the enthusiasm for the event from the fans was wild. Anytime Checo went by, um, there was just an absolute, just, you know, mayhem. There was so much excitement. I think people were so happy with him just having a podium, um, you know, just kind of with uh, formula one, you often know he's going to win mm-hmm. pretty early on. It didn't seem like it was his weekend. Um, but yeah, I mean, the fan love for Checo is absolutely unbelievable. I also will say it was not like rowdy. I thought it was like a really like just um, sort of like wholesome event of people being mm-hmm. really excited about Formula One and Sergio Perez. Uh, 
And even when like people are filling in the racetrack, like just, you know, like thousands of people, it was like pretty just like, it was just like a lot of revelry and like uh, just like a lot of excitement. It was, it was really, really, really cool. I honestly have not been to a sporting event that's comparable. Um, and there just felt like a, like a level of like community around it, which was, which was really cool, which I, I also think speaks to like the sport going to a city like Mexico city where in Europe, there's so many races and it's like easier probably to go to more than one, but um, you know, there's one race in Mexico, there's one race in Canada. Like it's just, yeah. it's just like really special. So it was, it was absolutely awesome. I, I had a great time. Um, sorry. I just got to say my, my other like main takeaway that you haven't asked for, but I just need to share is that the, the Carlos signs glow up in person is so real and he's so handsome. So you said that to me <laughs> offline and I knew you were going to, I didn't ask for it because I wanted to see how you were going to bring it up. I was, I was actually wondering, and you probably thought about it, whether or not it was going to be your first takeaway. Um, it wasn't first, but it's up there, man, handsome guy. I'm happy for him and Issa. He seems like a good dude. Uh, all right. So a couple things. So we saw the Las Vegas videos, photos the other day. Yes. I just saw some quotes today from the track designers who were talking about the logistical nightmare of it where you have to build bridges, you have to, I mean, there's, there's literal hotels in the way of things you would normally build in a street circuit. It's going to be very hard for them. Having said that, it's all going to be worth it. It's so cool. I don't know, it might be the kind of thing that loses its luster after a decade. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, the, Formula One is going to own it, so it's a little bit different than, than a normal race. Um, they're going to, to push it as much as possible. Um, you know, Mexico City, I think the contract goes through 2025. There's been some political discourse back and forth about the future of the race um, and about public funding. I think we have to protect races like Mexico City. And the one thing we can't have is five races in America and we get rid of Montreal, we get rid of Mexico City, we get rid of some of the Absolutely places Absolutely not. In America Euro- doesn't Europe. deserve it. That's ridiculous. A hundred percent. Having said that, Las Vegas looked very cool. Yeah, it did look really cool. I mean, it's interesting. It's like... I feel like it's an opportunity to fine tune Monaco. And I know there's like a, like a mm-hmm. sector of formula one fans who are like, let's get rid of Monaco. Like it's not a good race. Um, there's just like a lot of crashing and not a lot of racing. Um, so I think that's an interesting opportunity for the sport and for the league. Um, do people call formula one, the league? Because I do now. They, uh, <laughs> they don't this league. Are you, go, are you going full NBA? <laughs> and just saying in our, I'm going so- hashtag, hashtag this league Mark as a tribute to Mark Stein. <laughs> I, it's just sort of like how every NBA player over 30 says in our league, uh, he's in one of the league, best yeah. players. He's one of the best players in our league. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I personally hate Vegas, but I understand why they want to have it there. It is like a good city for it. I think it's a good city for it because it's a huge opportunity for Europeans, um, to attend and people from all mm-hmm. over the world, but like international people already love Vegas. It's also like a weekend that is much more convenient for like the international audience to go to Vegas than, than the yes. American audience, which I think makes a lot of sense as well. Um, you know, the hotel rooms are already like ridiculously expensive. So I wonder how they'll, they'll, they'll curb against that. Um, but I, I think it's cool. I mean, you know, when they had the promotional video of Red Bull racing through, I think, Caesars inside the mm-hmm. casino, I actually think it'd be really cool if, if the race went indoors. Like they... I think it's an opportunity to get like really, um, I don't know, just different with the track. I, I will say the initial track design to me seemed pretty boring. Like it's just not, yeah. I don't think it's going to be a particularly exciting circuit. Uh, but to your point, if they're building shit, like who knows what they can do to make it, to make it more interesting. And they can tweak um, it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
I think also another, another cool part about this is there'll be a lot of really good places to watch the race. And I'm curious mm-hmm. to see how that is sold. Like, do, do each of the hotels, like, sell certain rooms as, like, you can watch here? It's almost like the Thanksgiving Day Parade in, in New York. Yeah, but the, you'd have to have... I think part of it is being outside and the power of it. Most hotels, in fact, almost all of them, do not have balconies. Right. So, uh, that'd be but tough. But there, like, there are those bridges that go across yes. the... yes. Las Vegas Boulevard, like, will those be closed the, off? Or can the, people, those will like, be closed off. I, if, I, if I know anything about Formula One, those will be either extremely closed off or extremely expensive. Also, probably even, dangerous. E- I mean, if there's an accident. Yeah. In, in Miami, all the bridges were blacked out because that would be an amazing seat. Yeah, same, exactly. Same in, Me- same in Mexico. Um, they had, yeah. like, this, like, one bridge, like, like for walking that was, you couldn't watch from there. Um, but yeah, I mean, the pictures are really exciting. I can see that the drivers are going to be excited about it. I was really curious how much, um, the four drivers got paid to do that and also how they selected the four drivers. Like I'm sure Lewis and George were high on the list of people they wanted. I personally love Alex Albon and also he seemed like a sweet guy up close, but I can't imagine he was like in the top 10 of the 20 drivers that you'd like, like out of 20 that you want to have there. The one thing about Vegas international audience that I've learned from all my British friends, uh, I have two. Uh, is that <laughs> London to Las Vegas is like not considered a long flight. Like the lads, right. when the lads are ready to go to Vegas, they're going to Vegas. Well, you know who loves Vegas? Wayne Rooney. I always think about him oh, yeah. and, and Colleen, Ro- Colleen Rooney as like just vacationing there. So uh, yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> so you, the lads, so they, the la- you're saying the, they wanted three British drivers for the Brits. I, 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 yeah, I mean, there's sure, but I'm just saying like, that's going to be a, a a lads a lads weekend like you would not believe. Well, then maybe I'm back in. Maybe I'm more interested if it's a lads just, weekend. <laughs> just, just button to the top button. I mean, just we're it's going to be the haircut. I'll say this, <laughs> and as someone who's who who looks vaguely British in some some situations, uh, I can say this: uh, you can see the lads a mile away in Vegas casinos. <laughs> I think you can see the lads a, a mile away in the paddock. You're one end and you're like, oh, that guy's British. Oh, that guy's like Spanish. Um, or yeah. just you just see James Corden and you can hear him complaining about an omelet or something. Oh, uh, love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, I feel like the I think that the celebrity presence in Vegas is going to be like just absolutely out of control. Um, can we do one minute of wag talk? We can. Literally one minute. Jerry Horner, wife of Christian, had yes. a birthday party over the weekend. It was her 50th. They took the opportunity in between Vegas and Brazil to do it. And David Beckham was like an Instagram husband at it. And it's like probably like one of the greatest wag events of all time between Ginger Spice and Posh Spice. And then Baby and Sporty were all there and they're like dancing together. And David Beckham posted about it. And it was just an awesome Formula One wag weekend. Who do you think David Beckham's best friend in racing is? Is there any Instagram evidence of this either way? Are like he and Christian Horner buds? I don't think they're buds, but they're like, I don't know. I'm sure that Emily has a a friend whose husband you like. Like, I don't know. I, I know many of her friends. Like, I have one that I'm thinking of. I'll mention it off mic. Um, I bet that I bet that the Beckhams are Red Bull fans. They probably like want to ride with Lewis, but they can't because of the Spice Girls. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, We're going to go to the same race next year. I can't wait. Bye.
This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.